1 Samuel 31. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua, the sons of Saul. The battle went hard against Saul, and the archers overtook him, and he was greatly distressed by reason of the archers. Then Saul said to his armour-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armour-bearer would not, for he was terrified. Therefore Saul took his sword and fell on it. When his armour-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he likewise fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul died and his three sons and his armour-bearer and all his men the same day together. When the men of Israel who were on the one side of the valley and those who were beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned the cities and fled and the Philistines came and lived in them. On the next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They cut off his head, stripped off his armour and sent into the land of the Philistines all around to carry the news to the house of their idols and to their people. They put his armour in the house of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. When the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done, all the valiant men arose and went all night, and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and they came to Jabesh and burned them there. Then they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh, and they fasted for seven days. So this is the last chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. And uh, tomorrow we'll start 2 Samuel. And, uh, but originally, both of these were one big book, the book of Samuel. And um, so just keeping in mind that even though we're finishing a book of the Bible today, we're kind of still going in the same book. And I'll talk more about the different books tomorrow. So this battle um, with the Philistines was in the north of Israel. And Israel, uh, the Philistines were normally down further south and on the coast. So they are conquering land beyond their normal area here. And it's strategic. They're in the Jezreel Valley where their chariots are running around and they're, they're very effective. Saul was terrified. And just like Samuel said uh, a couple of chapters ago, the Saul and his sons would die, and they did. But Saul actually had four sons, only three of them were in the battle. There's a fourth son, Ish Bosheth, and we will meet him very soon, coming up in a few chapters. Now, here in this chapter, it tells us what happened. It says that Saul was terrified because of the archers, that he, he obviously realized he was going to die. So he asked his armor bearer to kill him, but the armor bearer wouldn't, so he fell on his sword. From a practical point of view, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but basically he committed suicide. And um, in, in the next book, in 2 Samuel, there's a story of an Amalekite who comes down from the north to King David and claims that he put Saul to death. And um, there's a lot of conjecture about which one of those things actually happened. And, uh, but what we've got here is, is the true story. Saul actually put himself to death. The Amalekite only pretends that he does because he wants to get a reward, and we'll talk about that more soon. But in 1 Chronicles chapter, where is it? 10, I think. 
it says that Saul was unfaithful to the Lord, so the Lord put him to death. And so I wanted to comment on the, this a little bit because this is the nature of the way God works. Some people in the world we live today, they think that God doesn't do anything. <laughs> and uh, I guess if you would say to them, well, what would it look like if God did something? They would probably say, oh, a booming voice coming out of heaven and uh, you know, a hand coming down out of the sky. And they'd have some kind of supernatural way of explaining it. And they think that God can only do things if he does them in these mega obvious ways. But the truth is the Lord is doing things all the time and he's so wise and so smart that he does them through, uh, he, he does them through the circumstances that happen. And so here the Bible tells us that the Lord put him to death, but he, he used the Philistines to do it. The Philistines were his servant in this case, but even Saul himself literally, put, Saul was the one who physically, literally put himself to death, but the Lord was the one doing it. Later on in the Bible, the, the nation of Israel is unfaithful to God and the nation of Judah is unfaithful to God. So the Lord sends the Babylonians to attack and the Lord calls the Babylonians his servant. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like the Babylonians were not good people. They were ungodly. And even later than that, again, we've got this, this part of the Bible where Jerusalem gets rebuilt, the temple gets rebuilt, and Cyrus, the king of Persia, is the one that authorizes it. And the Lord calls Cyrus the shepherd, a shepherd. So the Lord, in, in the, mind, the Lord's mind, he's, he's the one doing these things and he's using people. So he puts it into the mind of, say, King Achish of Gath to go and attack Saul. So the Lord is putting Saul to death, but he does it by putting into Achish's mind the idea. So Achish decides we're going to attack so the Lord does it in ways that he can do it. The Lord puts it into the mind of the Babylonians to attack. So it's not an endorsement of the Philistines. It's not an endorsement of the Babylonians. And it's not an endorsement of Cyrus, even though Cyrus did great things. But this is the way the Lord works. And the Lord is working in our world all the time, all around us. When we pray and we want to see some prayer answered, um, the Lord often answers the prayer very, very often in natural ways and um, so if you're if you're praying and you're struggling at home and, and uh, I've heard I've heard stories like this so many times where somebody is is wrestling over the idea of say tithing because they've looked at their budget and they've said you know what we can't afford to tithe if I you know but they take a step of faith the next thing they get a pay rise <laughs> now is that the Lord or is that the boss just giving a, a random pay rise no, that's the Lord. See, this is an example. But there are so many things like that where the Lord answers our prayers and he does it through people. So the Lord himself could declare into that situation, I am giving you a pay rise, but it's the boss that gives the pay rise. Or some other opportunity happens where there's some other external income or something, but the Lord does it. The money doesn't just fall out of the heavens. And so here... The battle was going on in earthly terms, it was people fighting, but in heavenly terms, it was the Lord that was fighting against Saul and the Lord was putting him to death. There's one more thing worth mentioning here about this chapter, um, is that when Saul was killed, they chopped off his head and they took it back to the land of the Philistines and you know, they celebrated, we've defeated the king. And um, then they hung his body on the wall at Beth Shan 
But the men, the, the brave men of, of Jabesh Gilead, it says they went all through the night and took the body down. So I'm guessing that this was a, a, some kind of undercover operation because they're going into land occupied by the Philistines at night. They're taking down the body of Saul and his sons and they bring it back, they burn it, then bury the bones. Jewish people always felt like the bones were the thing. So they weren't burning it in a sense like a cremation like we do today where there's nothing left, just ash. But they burned the body in the way they could and then they buried the bones. They, so they were treating Saul honorably. If you remember way back to the start of when Saul first became king, the city of Jabesh Gilead was attacked by the Ammonites. And Saul um, got really angry and he threatened to chop up the cattle of all Israel if they didn't join him in the battle. And they went to Jab Jabesh Gilead and they delivered the city from the Ammonites. And so the Ammonites have always, it seems to me, they've always had a, a, a soft place in their heart towards Saul. Because Saul delivered them. It was the first thing he did as king. And so now they show great respect by going, you know, risking their lives and going all through the night to, to rescue their bodies and give them a decent burial. And later on, David will reward them for that. And so I think it's something very sweet about that. Even though Saul, you know, we read this uh, from a modern perspective. This is like 3,000 years later um, that we're reading this. But uh, the people at the time of Jabesh Gilead, you know, they wouldn't have known all the details we knew. But all they knew was, here's our king. He looked after us and we're going to honour him. And even though Saul wasn't that great of a king, there's something wonderful about honouring the people in your life, even though they're people with mistakes. The closer that you get to your spiritual leaders, the more of their mistakes you're going to notice. And this is one of the things that's often happened in the families of pastors, is you've got men and women who love the Lord and they're serving the Lord to the best of their abilities, but because they're human and they make mistakes, their children see it. Sometimes their children turn away from the Lord because they say, uh, you know, I've got various reasons for it. Um, but it seems like the closer you get to uh, knowing someone, the more you see their human side as well. And we even see this in the New Testament with the disciples. They were with Jesus and he didn't even have faults or have sins. But John talks about this in the New Testament and says that we, we knew him after the flesh, but now we know him by the Spirit. So there was a human side to Jesus, which was very earthy and normal, and they knew that side quite well. You know, the side where he'd get cranky if they didn't pray in the Garden of Gethsemane and stuff like that. And so there's the human side of, to people, um, but the people of Jabesh Gilead, they ignore Saul's human side, and they go through the night on a, on a mission where they risk their lives to give him a proper burial. And I think there's, this type of thing is really sweet. And I think there's something to be said for honouring our leaders, even though they're humans, even though they might get cranky sometimes, even though they have their faults, and even though they do things sometimes that are annoying, and even sometimes there, there may be aspects of the Bible you disagree with them about, but there's something very sweet about honouring them. And I think when we do that, the Lord notices. And later on, David's going to reward the men of Jabesh Gilead, and remember David's a picture of Christ. So when we honour the Lord's people, and especially leaders, even though they have faults, the Lord honours us. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the book of 1 Samuel. that We've gotten through 31 days. And I just pray right now that, that all the things we've spoken about would come to rest in our hearts and strengthen us 
Make us people of God. Make us like David, people with a heart after God. Lord, help us to walk in your ways. Lord, I ask today that a measure of grace would be given to my listeners and given to me. Lord, David went through so many difficult circumstances in this book. And Lord, I pray that no matter what my listeners are going through right now, that grace would be given to them to walk through their circumstances, but with eyes on the Lord. So bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.